Welcome to Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. It is our pleasure and privilege to present to you the gospel message of the sovereign grace and glory of God in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today's program will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and now for today's program. Welcome to our program today. I'm glad you could join us. And if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, today I'll be preaching from John chapter 10. I began this chapter last week, but I'm going to begin in verse 4. And I'm talking about today, Christ the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. Last week I spoke of Christ the Door to Life. Talking about the door of life, the sheepfold and the door. Well, here I want to talk about Christ the Good Shepherd. And verse 4 begins, it says, When he, that is Christ, putteth forth his own sheep. The sheep are those who are God's elect, whom Christ saves from their sins. He's the shepherd, they're the sheep. And he said, his own sheep, he goeth before them in salvation, in eternal life, in all things. Christ has the preeminence. He goes before his sheep. I love that passage in Hebrews chapter 4 when it talks about going to the throne of grace at the end of that chapter. It says we, we, uh, we can go boldly to the throne of grace. And the reason we can go boldly, uh, freely or confidently, we who believe the gospel now, not talking about everybody. It's those who know Christ and believe in Christ, who rest in Christ who are washed in His blood and clothed in His righteousness, the reason that we can go boldly to the throne of grace, and make no mistake about it, it is a throne of grace, freely given, undeserved, unearned, salvation and blessings. The reason we can go boldly to the throne of grace is because it says in verse 14, we have a great high priest who has passed through into the heavens. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Christ went before his people. He went to the cross and died for their sins. Not for the sins of everybody without exception. I'm afraid that's, that is not gospel. That's not scripture. But he goes before his sheep. He satisfied justice on their behalf. He brought in through the everlasting love of God to them all that God required and all that they needed. And he says, when he putteth forth his own sheep, in verse 4, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now, how do, we know, how do we follow him and know his voice? Through the preaching of the gospel and the word of God. In the power of the Holy Spirit. We read his word, but, it, but his word is not just words on a page to, to the sheep. They're words of life. Over in John chapter 6, we read this several months ago, how, how uh, many who claimed to believe on him turned from him and left him. They didn't really believe. And he turned to his disciples and he said, Will you go away also? And Peter said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of life. What was Peter saying? There? We've got no place else to go. Christ is the door, as I said last week. Christ is the one way of salvation. Where are you going to go? For salvation. 
every other way is a way of death and damnation, perishing. But Christ is the way. He's the way to righteousness. He's the way to forgiveness. He's the way to life. He's the way to God. There's one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And there's none other name given under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. So he says, they know his voice. We know when people are telling the truth about God, who he is. We know when people are telling the truth about ourselves and who we are, sinners, saved by grace. God is holy and righteous. Yes, he's a merciful God. Yes, he's a loving God. Yes, he's a gracious God but not at the expense of His justice, His truth, His righteousness. God must be both a just God and a Savior. And He cannot do that because, uh, based on anything we do. We're sinners, none righteous, none that doeth good, no, not one, none that seeketh after God. So the truth about not only God and not only about ourselves, but about Christ and salvation who he is and what he did and why he did it and where he is now. Those who preach another Jesus, my friend, they're not preaching truth, they're preaching a lie. But we know his voice. And it says in verse 5, And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. When I hear false gospels from false preachers, I flee from them. I don't listen to them. I don't support them. I pray for their salvation as I, I'm commanded to love my neighbor as myself. And the best thing I can do for my neighbor, even my enemies, is pray for their salvation. Lord, stop that man from preaching a false gospel and show him your truth. Save his soul. He's lost. He's preaching a lie. He's the blind leading the blind. And they all fall in the ditch together. I, I don't want to see people perish. So I pray that the Lord will save you from your sins. And if you're under a false gospel with a false refuge, this is why I'm preaching on this program, showing you the scriptures and what it's all about. The righteousness by which God justifies a sinner is not our works and it's not our decision. It's the imputed righteousness of Christ, which he alone worked out in his obedience unto death on the cross as the surety, the substitute, and the redeemer of his people. It's not our believing that saves us. It's Christ who saves us, and our believing is the gift of God by which we're led to rest and lay hold of him. You see that? And the reason that's such an important point today is because there's multitudes of people who believe that Christ died for everybody without exception, even those who perish in hell, and that salvation is conditioned upon our believing or our doing or our repenting. Listen, faith and repentance are gifts from God, necessary gifts. Nobody's going to be saved without faith, without believing. He that believeth not shall be damned. Repentance is necessary. Christ said, except you repent, you'll perish. But those are not what saves us. Christ saves us. And if he saves us, he'll give us faith to believe and repentance to turn from ourselves and our sins. And that's the evidence. And that's what he means the sheep will hear his voice. And they won't follow another. Verse 6, he says, 
This parable spoke Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were, they were which he spake unto them. See, all of this that Christ is speaking, when he says he is the door and the sheepfold and all that, that's metaphorical language. It's symbolic. And he calls it a parable here. And a parable literally is something held up, is symbolically held up beside a reality to reveal truth in a simple way or in a way that is, is hides it. And he says they didn't understand that. They didn't know what he was talking about. Why? Well, it's like the Lord told the disciples over in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 13. They have ears to hear, but they won't hear. Now, you may be hearing what I'm saying physically, but do you believe it? Do you walk away unaffected? Do you know it? You may see it, but they don't have eyes to see spiritually. And, say, and then look at verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now he's, clear, he's telling them the meaning of the parable. This door. Christ himself walked through the door of God's justice to save his sheep, his people from their sins. And he's the shepherd of the sheep. The good shepherd, verse 11, gives his life for the sheep. And he is the door by which they enter in. And he says in verse 8, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Now this might be a direct reference to the Pharisees, but it's a direct reference to all false messiahs and false preachers. False messiahs who claim to be the salvation of sinners, false preachers who preached another way. And as he said, they're thieves and they're robbers. What are they, what are they trying to steal? They're trying to steal God's glory. I mentioned this last week. They're trying to steal God's glory and retain some of their own. That's what a person, listen, a person who believes salvation is conditioned on something they do or they decide that's a thief and a robber because you're trying to steal some glory for yourself as if you make the difference between saved and lost and it's not God alone in Christ. You know, the thieves on the cross, the two thieves that were on the cross uh, on the right and the left side of Christ, you know, they both started out railing on Christ, but all of a sudden one changed. There was a change. And he told the other thief, he said, this man had done a miss. And he said, he said, we deserve what we're getting. And he looked at the Lord and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Something changed. Well, what changed? Did that bad thief just all of a sudden become a good thief? Or did he get so desperate that he just cried? No, the Holy Spirit did a work of grace there. And it was Christ on the middle cross who made the difference. That's, all, that's the only reason... Christ said in John 6, 44, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I'll raise him up at the last day. Why is it that some believe and some do not? Well, the reason is is that God does a work of grace in those who believe. Read about it in John chapter 1 and other places. There's so many places. But that's what he says. He, he says, He says, 
the sheep did not hear these who came before him. And he says in verse 9, I am the door. Continuing on with that metaphor and that theme, he's the way to God. He's the way of righteousness. There's no other way. There's none righteous, no, not one. Christ is righteous. What he's talking about in Romans 3.10 is all of us by nature. How, how do I have a righteousness before a holy God? It's through the door, Jesus Christ. He's the door of righteousness. It's his righteousness imputed, charged to me. And he says, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Wherever he goes, in the word of God, he'll find pasture. Remember, I mentioned last week, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's the spiritual food which is the word of God, the truth of God. In verse 10, he says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now these thieves, false messiahs, false preachers, they don't realize this because they're deceived themselves. But Christ says they come to steal and to rob and to kill and to destroy. But he says, I am come that they might have life. Who? His sheep. He says, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now the might there is not that they maybe should have it, but maybe not. It's the certain assurance that if, if he says, he says, I'm come for this reason. And, and, and the following verses bear this out. He is the assurance that all for whom he died, his sheep will have life. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He's the shepherd of the sheep. He didn't die for everybody without exception. All for whom he died will have life and they'll have it more abundantly. More than they can ever imagine. The Bible says in Romans 5, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And the old, there's a picture there in the wording of the original which kind of pictures this, that where sin was drowning in it, drowning us. We were drowning in a sea of sin by nature and we couldn't get away from it. But grace did much more abound. And then he goes on to say, grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So he is the good shepherd. The Bible says in Romans 3 and verse 11, about us, that there's none good, no, not one. Christ is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, who did Christ die for? Here he says it. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But look at verse 12. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own, own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep. He flees himself. He flees. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. It's what happens. False preachers, they scatter the sheep. But verse 13, the hireling fleeth because he's an hireling and careth not for the sheep. But look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. Now the good, he already said the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. Why does he give his life for the sheep? Because we're sinners. And sin demands death. That passage in Romans 5.21 for it says, For as sin reigned unto death, 
even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So in order to save us from our sins, in order to save his sheep from their sins, he had to give his life for them. He had to die. He had to satisfy the justice of God. It's not that God is bloodthirsty or some kind of a, of a masochist or sadist or murderer. No. God is a holy God. He's a just God. And justice demands payment. It's his nature. And yes, but, but God is a loving God. He loves his people whom he chose before the foundation of the world and gave to Christ. And he marked them out as, as vessels of mercy, Romans 9 tells us. And he sent his son into the world to save them from their sins. How? By dying in their place. Isaiah 53 says, He was bruised for our iniquities. The iniquities of his people imputed to him. So yes, God is a loving God. And he delights to show mercy. He's a gracious God. But he's also a just God. He must be both. You read about that in Isaiah, all over the scriptures. That's why when Adam and Eve fell and they put on their fig leaf aprons trying to cover their nakedness, their sin, their, their lack of righteousness, what did God do in Genesis 3.21? He slew animals and made them coats of skin. And I believe those animals were sheep. But it doesn't matter. They, were, they represented the sacrifice of the seed of woman who was prophesied in Genesis 3.15. Who, who shed his blood as payment for their sins and brought forth a coat of righteousness, the righteousness of God imputed to them, whereby God is both a just God as well as a Savior, where he's both a righteous judge and can remain true to himself in his justice, but also be a loving, merciful, gracious, heavenly Father. That's the key. So he says in verse 14, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep. He knew, the Bible says, the foundation of God stands sure, the Lord knoweth them that are his. I mentioned this last week, how the high priest of Israel went into the holiest of all one time a year on the day of atonement. He had a breastplate and on that breastplate were 12 names, six and six, the 12 tribes of Israel. That's who he went there for. Not the Gentiles, but the Israelites. Had what, six names on this amulet on his shoulder and six names on it, the 12 tribes of Israel. And that was a metaphor. That was a type, a picture of how Christ has the names of his sheep written on his heart, his breastplate as it were. And they're upon his shoulders, having all their salvation conditioned upon him. The government shall be upon his shoulder. The Bible says their names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. And isn't that interesting? Christ is called the shepherd of the sheep, but he's also called a lamb. That speaks of his sacrificial work as the Lamb of, lamb of God that bears away the sins of the world. Not everybody in the world, but the world of his people, his elect out of every tribe, kin kindred, tongue, and nation all over the world. So verse 14 again. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep 
and am known of mine. Now, how do I know if I'm one of his sheep? Well, do you know him? In John 17, Christ prayed. He said, this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. In Matthew chapter 11, I believe it's around verse 25. You can check me out on that. But he said, no man knoweth the Father, save the Son. Or no man knoweth the Son, save the Father. And he to whomsoever, uh, knoweth the Father, save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. The only way you're going to know the Father is through the Son. Without the Son, you, you, you say, well, I'm going to come to God. I'm going to plead my best. Well, you're not coming to a heavenly Father then. You're coming to a righteous judge who judges according to righteousness. And the standard of righteousness is found in Christ. You must meet up to that standard by your works if that's the way you come to God. My friend, to come to God by His grace and mercy, like that old publican, God be merciful to me, the sinner, is to come before God, washed in the blood of the Lamb and clothed in the righteousness of the King of Kings, having His forgiven of all sins by His blood, And made righteous in him. And how do I know that I'm one of them? The Holy Spirit will bring me under the gospel wherein Christ is revealed. In the power of the Spirit. As the righteousness of God. As the Savior of sinners. The one and only. As the the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As prophet, priest, and king. And he says, I know my sheep. And am known of mine. Look at verse 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. You see it? The Father gave him the sheep before the foundation of the world. This is the covenant of grace. The everlasting co- Before this world was ever created, before we ever fell in Adam, the Father chose the people and gave them to Christ. And he says, I and Christ sent Christ to lay down his life for the sheep. But now look at verse 16. Now, you know, I mentioned that uh, John chapter 1, I think it's verse 29, where John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Now, there's a couple of things you need to understand about that verse. When he says, taking away the sins of the world, he doesn't mean everybody in the world without exception that has ever lived or ever will live. It's not a universal bearing away of sins. Because if it is, if you understand the Bible's teaching on taking away sins, the Bible teaches if your sins are taken away, you're going to be saved. So if you believe that that's talking about everybody in the world, you have to say everybody in the world will be saved. Now somebody comes along today and they say, oh, but you have to accept that gift. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that 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 process, that, that work that Christ did on the cross ensures that those for whom he died will accept it. Their accepting it didn't make it effectual for them. His death made it effectual. And so when he says this in verse 15, listen to what he says. He says, he says and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Now, he, is, he has other sheep that are not of this fold. What is the, the fold that he's talking about? He's talking about the Jewish fold. 
God has a chosen people and elect people out of the Jews. They're called the remnant. The remnant according to the election of grace. But he says, I have other sheep. And who are they? That's his elect among the Gentiles around the world. And so when John the Baptist said in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God which beareth away the sins of the world. He's not talking about everybody in the world without exception. He's talking about all of God's elect out of every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation around the world. God has a people. Not just of the Jews, but of the Gentiles too. And Paul explains that beautifully in the book of Romans chapter 11. Read Romans 9, 10, and 11. That's what that's all about. That God has a people. Not only of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles. And they're his sheep. They're his elect. And so he says in verse 16, And other sheep have I which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. I must bring. Why? Because God chose them. It's because they're justified in Christ. They've been, they're, they're, uh, they're going to be redeemed on the cross. He's bought them lock, stock, and barrel. Speaking in terms, in, in lieu of his, not instead of, but speaking in light of his cross. And he must bring them. All for whom he died, he must have. And listen to what it says. Not only I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. They will accept him. They will receive him because he sends his spirit to regenerate them, to give them new birth, to give them a new heart. God said that in, through Jeremiah. He, he said uh, 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 those people whom he chose to save and redeemed in Christ, he said, I'll give them a new heart. I'll give them a new life, a new spirit. And they'll be my people and I'll be their God. And he says, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. The shepherd of the sheep. One fold, not many folds. In other words, they're all brought into the same fold, which is the kingdom of God, the true church. It's not a, a denominational thing. This denomination preaches one way of salvation. This denomination preaches another. Oh, no. Oh, no. They'll be brought under one head, one shepherd, one king, one savior, the Lord our righteousness, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the shepherd of the sheep. And he saves all of his people from their sins and they shall all know me, God said to Jeremiah, from the least of them to the greatest. They'll be gathered together into one fold, one spiritual fold. They won't be together here on earth. They'll be scattered around. There'll be pockets of people. But in the end, they'll all be gathered unto the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ. Hope you'll join us next week for another message from God's Word. We are glad you could join us for another edition of Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. To receive a copy of today's program or to learn more about Reign of Grace Media Ministries or Eager Avenue Grace Church, write us at 1102 Eager Drive, Albany, Georgia, 31707. Contact us by phone at 
432-6969 or email us through our website at www.theletterrofgrace.com. Thank you again for listening today and may the Lord be with you.